0: is life everybody i'm jason snell and this is a podcast from the incomparable where we're going to talk about season one of ted lasso revisiting our beloved first season of ted lasso every week rolling up to the july 23rd 2021 return of ted lasso for season two on apple tv plus i am joined by three friends who rewatched the pilot episode of Ted Lasso with me for this special podcast episode. Chip Sutterth is here. He is friend number one. Hello, Chip Sutterth. Go America. Friend number two is Tiff Arment. Tiff,
1: hello. If that's a joke, I love it. If not, I can't wait to unpack that with you.
0: And friend number three, James Thompson. Not Friends not ranked in any particular order, randomly selected. Hi, James.
2: Uh, I, I never know how to react when a grown man beatboxes in front of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, you could tell that to Bismarcky. Um So just to explain for those up front who are listening to this, just to be clear, we figured most people who are listening to a podcast at this point about season one of Ted Lasso have seen season one of Ted Lasso. If you have not yet seen the whole season... Don't listen to this podcast because we're going to talk about what happens the whole season throughout. And I should also explain up front, we're going to do episodes with different combinations of panelists and hosts uh, as we cover all of the 10 episodes. So we're not your your only Ted Lasso podcasters. No, no, no. This is just the beginning of a wild ride because so many people
3: love Ted Lasso. Um, It's like there's a full team on the pitch.
0: Yeah, it's it's the starting 11, and then we have a sizable bench, too, actually, so there's a lot of people. We have more than one. We couldn't... Are people interested in Ted Lasso for this podcast? Thus far, we have not assembled two full teams, but we have more than one team of soccer. the 11 people in soccer, except they do it with a Roman numeral. Anyway, uh, among the things not that I find weird about soccer, not mentioned in Ted Lasso, which is strange, because they got most of them, but not that one. So... Um, Let's just let's just go in. I'm going to kind of walk us through what happens in this pilot, and we we can stop whenever we want to dwell on something that happens. I think the interesting the sequence of of how the show begins is interesting. We get uh, Rebecca firing the current manager for a variety of reasons, including his short shorts. Um, that's the first little bit we get. This is and an
1: oasis joke right away. <laughs>
0: like they don't spare the oasis joke. No, it, it's right there. <laughs> got to get it out right right in front I think this is uh, one of the things so that, to speak. that strikes me about this that well you know that's right you could see Liam or Noel, um or both uh <laughs> the so one of the funny things about this and and talking about the pilot we can also talk about the origin of the show and there's a scene later that is basically lifted right from the NBC uh sports network uh Premier League promo ads that were the origin of Ted Lasso. Uh, but here we get the other real, I think, uh, setup plot setup thing that is super familiar. Uh, and and it, it gets established a little bit later. But if you've seen Major League, you know it's coming is the this is the plot of the movie Major League where uh, the the owner of a team, uh, decides that she is going to destroy the team out of spite, and uh, we haven't quite got the whole plot here. But I just—I was reminded again that uh, again, uh, this is literally the plot
3: of of the movie Major League. Just fortunately not with Charlie Sheen in it. Sure, I think one of the things that struck me on the rewatch, just trying to put myself—you know—when I came into Ted Lasso, I knew that that would be the plot. I knew that the owner uh, would be trying to destroy the team from within. Uh, but if you pretend that you don't know that up until the point that Rebecca announces later on in the episode what her plan is, you know this opening scene, you're on Team Rebecca all sure. the way. This coach is a jerk. Yeah, she's brilliant. She's uh she she's she's been wronged. She is taking charge. She is getting rid of a misogynistic jerk. She says all the right things later on in the uh, press conference. You know uh you know it i think in a couple of uh in a couple of uh interviews after the fact uh you know some some hosts began to describe rebecca as the villain of the piece or the antagonist of the piece and uh the actress bristled at that and for good reason mm-hmm. i mean um i'm on team rebecca right from the start here
0: well there's uh, we as we get later on uh too and we and we learn throughout the season um, Rebecca and Ted both are experiencing, uh, you know, relationship, the aftermath of essentially a relationship disaster. And we have uh, empathy for both of them. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, that's the magic trick of, of Ted Lasso is that all these people, we have empathy for all of these people or almost all of these people. And Rebecca is not a, a villain, even though she's doing, you know, dirty by Ted here at the end, we discover that. But you're right. It is also set up here. This is she is taking over this team and she's going to run it the right way and she's going to get rid of this jerk who's the manager. And we only get that twist a little bit later on.
2: I, I think one of, the things, <clears throat> one of the things about this series, um, to use, I, I guess, an appropriate uh, footballing metaphor, is it kind of always swerves at the last minute. Uh, when you think it's going to go in a certain direction. And they don't do the obvious things for literally any of the characters or plot lines. Uh, and I thought, you know, sort of from the first episode, I was like, okay, I know what the setup's going to be. And, you know, I was like convinced that uh, Rebecca and Ted were going to end up together and all these things, and none of it happened. So I think I think that was what I found I mean, apart from the sort of relentless positivity of it, um, it was the fact that it didn't do what I expected.
0: Yeah, one of the um, things that uh, the next segment is the ESPN Sports Center with Scott Van Pelt segment, which, uh, I don't know, thematically, I mean, obviously feels totally different from the rest of the show because it's... An ESPN segment. It's literally the ESPN studio with an anchor of of uh, of Sports Center, and I don't know how how familiar any of you are with with Sports Center, but I mean it's it's legitimately SportsCenter. Center, and I was. I'm always struck by how different it is from the rest of the show um, because it's American and it's American sports and it's, it's the sports in the American context where the rest of the show is sports of an American as an outsider in an English context. But it does set up another theme of Ted Lasso that I think is interesting, which is this is technically a behind the scenes kind of show where there's the they're doing something that's very high profile and famous and the, there is a public view of it. And then there's the human beings who are behind the behind the curtain, behind the facade. Um and we see that later with all the press coverage of Ted Lasso ongoing but the press conference and all of that. But here with Scott Van Pelt, we get uh, it's an American perspective of Ted Lasso being sent over there, but also it's just a you know the, the contrast between that moment and then the cutting to uh, Ted and Coach Beard on the airplane is so jarring because it's it's like super glitzy in lights, famous you know fast paced sports, and then it's just kind of two guys. Uh, having a chat on an airplane. It's, it's, I don't know. It, it just struck me that this, it really is there's what the public sees, and then there's what's the, the human beings that are behind the scenes. And that is kind of what the show's about.
1: On the rewatch, uh, that scene did stand out to me too, but I was really surprised at how much it kind of gave away about the entire series. Like, everything (laughs) that's about to happen was in that news clip. Like, the exact way that the news broadcaster was like, oh, this underdog, I don't know why his team loves him so much. This is amazing. Now he's off to England to try his hand at doing, you know, uh, uh, football. And so it uh, it was just really... Surprising how much they actually gave away, and you don't get that until you rewatch a show. And this is my uh, third rewatch of this show, so it is one of those things that stands out to you after you know everything, and you're like, they just gave away the whole plot, and you don't even know it if you're watching for the first time.
2: Uh, And and there's so many pieces that are in this first episode that I'd forgotten that the the um, allusions to his marriage problems were at the end of this episode, and you know, it, it it kind of. Once you go back and you see it, it's like, oh, right, all the characters are there. Even uh, uh, Trent Crim from The Independent mm-hmm. uh, is there.
0: Almost all the characters in the show are in the pilot. Uh, there are a, a handful who aren't. I think the most notable ones, um, Danny Rojas obviously comes in later. And uh, Rupert is only seen in photos. Um, and we don't meet Anthony Stewart head for a little while, but almost everybody else who's important for the world of Ted Lasso gets their moment here to sort of set them on a direction. And yeah, having seen it a couple of times, you you notice what they're doing, right? And how they're putting these characters on the board and, and, and setting a, a direction for them.
1: I mean, for overall, I think for a pilot, this is a really hooking pilot uh I mean my favorite show ever the office has a totally terrible pilot like it's awful it doesn't really hook you it's kind of cringy it it doesn't follow along with the rest of the show this is a really really well done pilot and I don't know about you but anyone who I've showed this to or encouraged to watch this show as soon as they see the pilot I happen to watch it with my brother and I was making him watch it with me halfway through the pilot and this is only like a 20 two-minute show halfway through he's hooked uh that's a really really stellar pilot
2: when i came into it i came to the show like about a week or two late from everybody else and it was one of those things where literally everybody around me was saying you should really watch ted lasso and i'm like i don't know football i'm not really a sports guy um and then, yeah, I watched the pilot, and it's like, okay, I, I think I got to watch the pilot and then watch the second episode back to back. Uh, but even just the pilot itself, I was like, okay, I, I see where this is going, or I, see, at least, I see why I'm gonna like this. Like, That's even though, I, sorry, go ahead. I came to I came to this a little differently. Um, I,
3: I didn't watch it until um, everything had come out, um, and and all of my friends had been telling me that it was so good, and I just didn't find the time until later. And I found the, the pilot because I knew so much about, you know, this is all about positivity and, um, and, and people being good to each other and things like that. So I need to see this. Uh, so when I encountered the pilot, it felt more like a slow burn to me. Like, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things being set up here for a 10 episode series. Um, they're not front loading it with, uh, lots of wacky hijinks it's get to know the characters so um i didn't fall in love with it so much from the first pilot um as just made some notes along the way of i think some of this stuff will um um will have resonance i fell in love with the show later on um i came at the i, I came at the pilot knowing that the show would be more than watch the ugly american have uh, be a fish out of water kind of thing but i think if i had just seen the pilot all by itself i might have been afraid that it would go there
0: yeah i i hear you um i think that the scene later with uh in the press conference right that is mm-hmm. that is i would say the broadest the show ever gets it is taken from those nbc premier league ads it feels very much like I don't know. You know, like a Saturday Saturday Night Live sketch that gets turned into a movie, and they're like, "Well, we got to do the thing we do in the sketch." It's like, "Yeah, but this is a movie." It's like, "Yeah, but we got to do it. That's what they do in the sketch." And you end up in this kind of almost uncanny valley where it's like, "I'm not sure this fits, but I know why you did it because it's it was sort of obligatory." And honestly, that's that that Ted Lasso meets the press scene. There are there are some rapid fire jokes in there that they're funny, but they're. I'd say it's broader and there's more of it that I think the show would would normally do. But I think that it was just it was the genesis of the story. And so they kept it in. Um, But that's the part that I felt like doesn't really represent what the show is going to be. It's more like you're watching the elevator pitch for what the show is, or literally, in this case, the commercial that spawned the idea for the show.
2: But equally, the 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 joke about how many countries are in this country is from that original one as well, and that's one of my favorite lines in the whole thing. So that is good. Well, right, because the, the
0: that's the setup, and then the <laughs> four. <laughs> I'm like what? It's great. Um, I, I as a note, because we're talking about a pilot. Uh, TV pilots come in a lot of different shapes and sizes. Uh, traditionally, TV shows would get a pilot order, so they'd write a script, and then they'd get an order to shoot the pilot, and then the executives would watch the pilot see if they liked it, give their notes, and then decide if they wanted to send it to series. And then they would remount the production months later and shoot the rest of the season. Apple TV+, Plus. I actually looked it up, a uh, story from the rap.com from 2018, um, was given a series order by, uh, by Apple TV+. Plus. So uh, the Ted Lasso pilot script was written as a script to sell the show, but by the time they shot this, they were staging the shooting for all 11 episodes or all 10 episodes and um and they knew what they were doing so i think that's why it's more in many ways more cohesive to the season than like some pilots are like the office because they shot all 10 they didn't just go there shoot one and then hope that 6 months later they could come back and shoot the other 9 for what
2: it's but, worth but that's also, one reason also i'd say because jason sadekis and brendan hunt had been basically doing these characters for years yeah. beforehand they had that down um so they could roll straight into it yep.
0: uh so we meet ted for real on the plane with coach beard uh i, I know we're only two like three scenes into it but we're, we're, we're covering a lot as we go so it's fine but uh this is this is i think one of my favorite moments in terms of uh setting a tone for who ted lasso is being smart and funny um, that there's that moment of, you know, why don't we, if we, if we're in each other's dreams, why don't we mix it up a little bit and pretend we don't know each other? You got it stranger. Like you get the rapport between Ted and coach Beard. It's, it's funny and quirky, but also I think smart. And you also get, because he's reading the book about, about, uh, soccer, uh, the idea that goes throughout, which is coach Beard is actually being asked, I think, to do more of the heavy lifting of knowing soccer, whereas Ted Lasso is the people person and you can sort of read that
1: into this first scene too i mean how do you not love coach beard i mean like (laughs) he's amazing i love his quiet stoicism i love the way the character is played but yet he's like so kind and the evolution of that character from looking at the pilot i never thought that they were going to bring him that way and i think that that's really fun um so so yeah, I mean, yeah. he's just a fantastic character. He's a great foil for Ted,
3: <laughs> a great foil and a great side man. Yes, um, yeah, you know, both. The, so so many so many points during this episode where he anticipates what uh, coach what 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 coach is going to need, uh, what Ted's going to need. Um, you know. Basically, their left brain and right brain working together.
2: I mean, you see that when the, when they do the office setup montage scene. Oh, you know, I love, where that. They love just, that. Where they just realize now we need to put the desk together. Mm-hmm. And they just both come at it at the same time. And yeah.
0: Well, I like, I mean, I like that he, he also is that constantly. A he, that Coach Beard is the one, because he's done the research in a way that Ted hasn't. And, you know, the show could portray it as being Ted not caring, but he does care. It's just that Coach beard is doing the research like and he's feeding it to ted so he's the one who explains yes about how many countries there are in this country uh he's the one who explains that they're you know it's training and not practice and and that it's their their uh, boots and not cleats and it, it's it's not out of bounds. It's into touch, which leads him to say, "No question is into touch." Which I totally missed the first time I watched this. That he says at the press conference, you know, no, nothing nothing is going to be into touch, and then and then winks at Coach Beard, and then later gives him the, the money, and and he's like, "What's that for?" It's like, "Oh, into touch, right?" Like it's just that the, he's been feeding that stuff to them, and they have that rapport, and and uh, yep, it's it's great, and I, they keep it they keep it up for the whole show too, which is delightful. Um Ollie, the limo driver, appears at the airport to pick them up, a character that is obviously not that important and will never see again cuz he's just the limo driver, right?
3: Right, <laughs> right. And the, and the, <laughs> and Ted never makes connections with the people he encounters along the way. He never remembers their names. He never uh uh treats people like human beings, and that's the, you know, that never happens in this show. And they, they have
0: Ollie give them a tour. That's the other funny thing is he doesn't just take them to the stadium or something. He has them give them a tour. We see them at Tower Bridge because this one's still up. Uh, they say we're not in Kansas anymore for the first time when they were not actually in Kansas. Uh, but they get the uh, they had that whole thing and where he's and he's there with them he's like he's obviously been their tour guide they've they are they're not going to take the direct path to the stadium The these guys are are also having this kind of life experience i love it um okay so then we go to the stadium uh there's a a funny bit about how soccer was invented to create a sport where the boys wouldn't have to use their hands at all so that they would stop masturbating how'd that work uh they step on the grass uh which gives you a beautiful moment of like it's the same but different is that a metaphor you got it (laughs) and but it's interrupted by uh by a person who is nate uh shouting at them and running at them to get off the grass
3: get off get off
2: and running at them from very far away (laughs) which it just makes it even funnier
3: on the grass itself yes, i mean of course it's he, not exactly uh he's not exactly protecting um well you know. well he
2: does he, because like he apologizes profusely and then says but we have to get off the grass
3: <laughs> yeah uh it's a great it's it, it is one of the great uh character introductions on this uh, on this show uh the respect uh that ted gives nate right from the beginning um and nate starting from zero to hero um, in the in the course of ten episodes, um, you know, you you, you gotta start at this sort of comically exaggerated nightmare place. Um, no
0: one and... has ever asked me my name, is what exactly. he says. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I... there there is so much in this show that um is exaggerated. You know, of course, somebody would have asked Nate his name. You know, something. You know, this, this show does subtle exaggeration very very well, all the way up to like the. You know, you're never going to see your spoilers for episode 10, everybody, but you're never going to see soccer players line up in American football style. It's Nate's haplessness is exaggerated. It's all exaggerated. It's all exaggerated for comedy. And yet it's done with just this deft touch that you can't help but you can't help but love uh, these exaggerated characters like Nate.
2: One of the things I I noticed is like Nick Mohammed who plays Nate and uh, Brett Goldstein who plays Roy Kent they're all writers and I I was kind of reminded of something like Blackadder where you have all these people who are like good writers or good comedy writers in their own uh, in their own right um, who presumably as this show was being developed you know at least had feedback I mean. Uh, uh, Brett Goldstein was that he went over to the writer's room uh, for the U.S. to give some sort of authentic flavor to it. But, you know, i i got to figure that you don't get somebody in who's a comedy writer uh, and just say, and here are your lines, and you can't have any input whatever into the character.
0: Um, we also get another bit here which which recurs, which is Ted Lasso insists on making American references that are not gotten. And I like how the show really... He not only says, "Oh, Nathan, your name's Nathan. I love your hot dogs," but but he's like, y- "You have no idea what I'm talking about." I was like, no, I don't. It's like, okay, uh, like it's just let's put a point on it that, that this is not a joke for Americans. The joke is that that these references are completely lost on everybody around Ted Lasso. I like it.
2: I I felt that the show felt like a British TV show, mm-hmm. which is probably sort of you know a high praise and B what they were going for in a way, um, but you know being here and watching it, it feels like something that could have been developed and made here.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I bring up, uh, sex education, the Netflix show a lot because that's a show that is made in, I think it's maybe shot in Wales. It's, but it's made in the UK. Uh, it is literally a British TV show, but it's styled after American high school movies and TV shows. And and Hannah Wantingham, Wantingham is in common between the two of them. And actually, the if friends of uh, of Ted Lasso who have not seen Sex Education, you should watch it. It is it has a lot of the same sort of humanity and empathy that Ted Lasso has. It's a remarkable show. But that's a British show that tries to be American. And I think this is interesting because it is sort of another weird hybrid where it did start out American creators, American producers, but it they shot it in the UK and it doesn't. I I agree, as somebody who's an American who has watched a lot of British TV, it doesn't feel fake in the way that, like, the UK episode of some American TV show would feel. It feels authentic to me, too. Yeah,
1: I like that. I like the bridging of the two cultures. Like, I think that that's, it's the same, but it's not the same, as we all know. And that's part of the jokes in the beginning, um, which I personally find a little bit. Okay, not from Ted Lasso. I don't find it boring from Ted Lasso but in general like the oh you say boot I don't say boot like I don't know but uh, I like that the way that they did it where it wasn't all that the entire series it wasn't just like you know Ted being the fish out of water American it was more about everyone learning from each other in like a cool positive way and I think that that's what kind of helped bridge the gap and like close it up a little bit better uh, between the two sides there
2: Um, just I, talking of Hannah Waddingham, Widing, uh, I was surprised to see her turn up in an episode of Coupling, uh, which certainly Jason and I are wow, both. Wow! Yeah. Uh, I like, love that show. <laughs> she she played a lap dancing school friend of Jeff's.
0: Ah, uh, that, that's that's a, a British sitcom trying hard to be an American sitcom. Yes, and I that's love why I, I love Coupling, but that's it. literally like, well, what if we did Friends on the BBC? It would be Coupling. That's what it
1: is. <laughs> I mean, they had a couch in a, in a pub and everything. Oh so. yeah.
0: Oh yeah, and six main characters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This is not the coupling podcast.
1: We'll we we should there. do that too. We though.
0: should. Ooh, I love that show so. Much. As long as I don't have to watch the last season. Um, the oh yeah the uh yeah this is this is uh, one of the things about it is the is the mixing of cultures. I think that there's probably meaning there of the idea that we all have things to learn from each other. I will say that uh, I know enough about British uh, words to say that that it makes me mad that joke about you get the boot by putting your boots in the boot. Because I don't think British people say you get the boot; they say you get the sack, and yes. then you lose the boot pun because it's you're sacked, you're not fired. In fact, she says you're fired at the top of this episode, and I thought, well, wouldn't she say you're sacked, or do, or is that, or is that changed? Is fired used more now than it used to be in Britain? Because it used do you to get be fired, fired was, and you are sacked. F- fired used to not be a thing, is my knowledge of the UK. It was all sacked. James, help us. Well,
2: I've only ever resigned. I've never been fired, so <laughs> Or sacked. <laughs> or sacked. Um
1: But do you yeah. get sacked or are you sacked?
2: Well I think both. Um mm. I I mean we're getting into pants you get and boot, the boot podcast territory. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just get Glenn on to explain yeah. it all. Um uh, yeah, I I mean I think I think fired is probably growing in uh usage. Uh but it's That's the thing, you know. You grow up watching American TV as Mm. I did, and you start to lose. Like, where did this come from? We we ruin everything. We you you do, you do.
0: All right, uh, let's. Ted meets Rebecca. This is the. This is. There's actually a really good uh, physical comedy bit here, which is Nate. Nate says, "Oh yes, I'll introduce you," and then he can't speak, and he literally does the, and then he runs away, and that's very broad but kind of funny and ted and coach beard pop their heads in but in the background the thing that kills me every time is that then he realizes nate realizes he's made a mistake and he comes back and so he comes back up the stairs but then he realizes that she's already seen the coaches and then he runs back down the stairs so it's like <laughs> he's can't even decide to run away that's that's our nate um and then and then we meet rebecca who is uh hiring uh Hiring Ted, we get the we get that joke that was at the top of, of the show here. Miss <laughs> uh, Wilton's my father. Uh, well, I would love to unpack that with you later if it's not a joke. Uh, and Higgins, the current uh, director of communication or something, to which he says "current," <laughs> which she actually promotes him later. But it's a that's a fun moment. And and then they have the whole. Uh, we get our first Rebecca and Ted scene. He doesn't like tea. It's horrible. It's hot brown water. I was right. We get a uh, a. Uh, also in this scene, uh, a suggestion about the supernatural, which will come back later with the haunted uh, medical room, which is it was a makeshift hospital in the war. And there could be ghosts. Do you believe in ghosts, Ted? Well, I think they need to believe in themselves.
1: I love how they start off when these two characters meet, the initial feeling of respect. And I feel like that there is none of that... Um, like, surprise, like, oh, a girl boss, or, you know, like, anything like that. It's just two people, and one is the boss, and one is the new hire. Like, it's just so chill, and I I really appreciate that they didn't make it, like, a big deal mm. that Rebecca is now, like, owning this, um, you know, football club. And it comes up later on. There's another episode where she's like, there's basically two women. But here in this scene, it doesn't seem like it's a weird thing at all. Ted never makes it a weird thing. And I really, I love that about his character and about the writing of the show.
3: Agree. The mutual respect is genuine on ted's part um it's not genuine on her part but by the time this thing comes around to the end of the series you know it is fully genuine um and i i kind of i, I agree with you i like the way that it's just sort of set up and played that way right at the beginning it, it sets the right tone even if it gets undermined at the end of this episode mm-hmm. uh we get there in the end
0: uh, that brings us to the press conference, which I mentioned before is sort of lifted from the ad uh, that was the origin of this or the series of ads. Uh, it's the surprise press conference, which and and we have taken it to be that he has jet lagged and didn't sleep on the plane and thought would he would be ready for the press tomorrow. But he's going to meet them now. She throws him to the Lions, uh, which makes sense, given what we hear her say later, that she's sort of set him up this way. Um, this gives you. The, the sense of just how tough Ted's task is. Because we cut to the players watching, the fans watching, and of course the press are there and they've got all their microphones and recorders and they're asking him questions. And we get the comedy sketch bits. He doesn't understand about uh, win-lose or, or, or tie. Right, y'all do ties here, all of that kind of stuff, and halves instead of quarters and all of those kind of bits. Um, no topic will be into touch, he says, and winks at Coach Beard. And we get a question <laughs> from Trent Crim. From the independent who he compliments his glasses which is nice um and uh <laughs> you got a question in there after he lists the premise he's literally listing the premise of the show right and he says is this a an effing joke uh ted gets flustered he spits bubbles all over everybody because it's bubbly water in the little water bottle and uh and then And then Rebecca intervenes to defend him, seemingly. And I thought, as somebody who is an observer of sports in general, uh, the moment where she says, uh, at least Ted Lasso has a trophy from this millennium, Uh, this Richmond football club has had a uh, long era of profound mediocrity. Am I wrong, she says, and nobody can argue with her that this club has just been kind of like kicking around on the bottom part of the Premier League all this time, and that she's casting herself as, and Ted, as somebody who's actually had success, which she doesn't really believe, but she turns out she's not wrong.
2: Uh, And I also like the way that she basically walks into that room and sort of commands Mm. a room of like 20 plus press people. It's like the teacher finally showed up, right? (laughs) It's
0: like, settle down, everyone.
1: Rebecca's here now. I also also love just seeing a really tall woman on TV. I'm like, yes. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah, and she's in front
0: of the table, so she, she's like towering over them and, and all the, the little press people are, are there. Um Okay. Uh what is next is the is the turn. So this is the scene that we mentioned earlier, uh, where Higgins basically says we've learned very quickly that Higgins is kind of a a hapless uh, guy and there's and, and we, we will get much more detail about Higgins as we go but here uh, he's like oh that's, that's uh, that seems really nice and she says mm, he's an absolute wanker I hope he fails miserably he's going to help me burn this place to the ground just to torture my ex-husband uh, we get the uh, interesting use of a cricket bat as a <laughs> gif although some people say jif
1: <laughs> I appreciate that joke very much as somebody who says Jeff,
0: I appreciate the representation there. Thank you, Higgins.
3: As a person who makes a living as a basically a corporate communicator, uh, I have a lot of empathy for Higgins. Uh, you, your role in you you're, you're quickly you quickly learn that your job is to sort of subordinate yourself to the organization, um, and you have to be pretty self-effacing, and you have to be able to pivot uh, pretty quickly in higgins's case you could you you tell really quickly um early on that um he was subservient to the previous owner he's now he, he doesn't feel like he's got any kind of agency he's got to uh follow his new boss to the letter and then towards the end of this episode when um she uh calls him when she gives him the carrot and the stick when she calls him out for uh him having helped her ex uh cheat on her mm-hmm. um yeah i mean uh H- higgins higgins is subservient he's kind of a toady kind of figure and that doesn't turn around uh f- f- that doesn't really turn around for a long time. And, you know, I, I, I sympathize and yet I still want him to stand up.
1: When I think about it, all the characters that we meet in this pilot, all of them have a, like a moment of change within the first season of this show. I don't think that they've left a single person out that they've introduced to us in the pilot that they don't then follow up and have some sort of uh, change or effect after their interactions with Ted.
2: I mean, even Ted himself, I think, has a journey through the series.
1: For sure. Even Trent
0: Krim from The Independent takes a bit of a journey.
3: There are only two characters I can think of in this entire show who don't go on that journey. The one gets fired in the first four minutes, and the other one is uh, Rupert.
1: Yeah. You don't think Rupert turns around a little tiny bit? Mm. He softens? Or he has. It seems like he's going to be softening in the future. I don't know. I don't know. I
2: think you, I think you need a baddie in, mm. in. But in we the didn't series. meet Rupert
1: in the pilot. We didn't meet him. Right. We this didn't, is true. Him. Yeah, he seems to lack some
0: level of introspection that is probably required for that. But who knows? I think that I mean, we can take our bets for whether Rupert is going to have <laughs> some progression in season two, or whether he just remains awful.
1: The first coach did go on a journey. He got fired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's unclear if he he really changed with the times or not. After Maybe
1: he just put on longer pants. Maybe,
0: <laughs> Maybe he uh, becomes a, a follower of Ted Lasso and ends up uh, on a second division football club where he puts up a lot of signs and does a lot of homespun aphorisms to try to oh, be. Oh,
1: spinoff, spinoff series. Yeah. Here we go. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. The next block of this episode is meeting the team. And so we get to see, uh, we get to see Roy Kent who seems scary <laughs> as he does throughout he's just <laughs> if you've ever heard Brett Goldstein on his own podcast or anywhere else he is a just a soft spoken funny lovely smart man and uh, as as Roy Kent he is terrifying it's amazing it's a very good performance um, we also learn that uh, that uh, Nathan Nate makes some really great Gatorade. Uh, we meet Jamie Tart, who what what is he like as a person? Well, he's great at soccer. That's what he's like as a person. That uh, uh, we find out there are four countries in this country. Um, we also find out that Axe Body Spray is called uh, Lynx. My favorite of the Jungle Cats, uh, but that's what the locker <laughs> room smells like. Um, and, and so, yeah, we meet, we meet a bunch, we get the, we get the idea here of like, this is Roy. He's the, the veteran with great, uh, with great background, obviously toward the end of his career. And, uh, he's scary. We have Jamie, who is the best player on the team. The young upstart will, these, all these people will all have arcs with Sam from Nigeria. That is a moment that, that I has, st- uh, stuck with me that, that, uh, Ted's like in Africa, like. Yeah, there's people from all over the world at this playing of this team. It's a, I think Ted thought that would just be English people on the team, quite frankly. So that's how naive he is about about international soccer. Um and so we meet these characters and we meet Keely because she comes into the locker room uh and as well. So this is our this is our uh, our trip to the locker room and our first glimpse
2: of these players. I I would say Keely is one of my favorite characters from the whole series. Um in some ways I think because she is quite like Ted in her positivity she's just coming at it from a slightly different direction um, but I can give you my, the, the piece of uh, meaningless trivia which I worked out myself while uh, doing some research um, her father uh, June, she's played by Juno Temple and her father is Julian Temple who directed Earth Girls Are Easy and many famous music videos one of which being God Save the Queen by the Sex Pistols which was the Music that opened the show okay
0: that's good good uh uk knowledge um for anybody who doesn't know all that jazz by the way is a uh, 1979 film directed by bob fossey uh starring roy scheider as a uh, veiled version of bob fossey and uh, i say this because that joke makes me laugh every time which is last time i saw eyes that cold they were going head to head with roy scheider jaws all that jazz, which is, <laughs> I guess, yeah. So Jessica Lange, maybe I don't know. I haven't seen that movie in a long time, but uh, I love obscure movie references, and it shows those guys are playing on another level. Keeley is a type. That's the uh, I, on the incomparable episode about, about Ted Lasso. I said this, but one of the things I love about the this show, and like I said about Sex Education, is you take characters on a sitcom. You basically they can be types. They can be. Uh, oh, this is going to be a soccer player. He's going to behave like this. This is a coach. He's going to behave like this. This is the the owner. She's going to behave like this. And Keely, more than any of them, she is a type. She is the WAG, wives and girlfriends of soccer players. It's a thing. They get covered in the British press. They get covered internationally. It's like, it's a thing. And so when you meet her, you're like, oh, I know who she is because I know that type. And that's the beauty of how this show is constructed is you don't know who she is. You do, but you don't actually know keely and we very quickly when she comes back to the locker room in her second scene and sees that ted has put the tape over her boobs that are in the picture that are hanging in jamie's locker and smiles at it and helps him hang up the sign not straight that keely there's more to keely than we think when we see her as a as just a the girlfriend in the locker room picking up jamie so he can go get waxed
3: Sure. The way she comes in uh, in the in her first scene, um, she sort of interrupts the getting to know the Mm players scene, almost like, you know, Arthur Fonzarelli coming in. (laughs) You know, the the, the, the camera just sort of swings toward her and uh, she really does uh, take all of the attention uh, for a while there um and you're right she she embodies a type and then when um when the crowd is gone and it's just her and Ted and there um yeah everything uh, other 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 facets reveal themselves
1: yeah i love that they let her have a second scene i think that if they didn't let her like come back and reveal parts of herself again wonderfully in the pilot uh you know we would have gone longer without Unearthing the the interesting parts of Keely, and like so, I love that they do have her come back and show that side of her so early on, and it's it's it means that it's important, right? They used this short amount of time to do that. Like she comes she comes back multiple times, like the second time, and it's it's really uh, I love that they establish that really early on, and it becomes like you know there are two strong female characters uh, right away in kind of like this very male dominated. Uh, cast right I mean it's a
0: show about a a, a men's soccer team right there don't have to be women around but
1: there are and they're important and 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 they help affect the men too which I really and I enjoy that part of it and like it doesn't have to be completely equal for you know someone to enjoy it if they are I don't know, me? <laughs> like, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't need, I don't need to have women in a show in order to enjoy it. But it is nice seeing that the women who are portrayed, uh, who are, but be- no, portrayed, yeah. who <laughs> The women who are portrayed are, um, they're significant and they're important and they're given depth right away.
2: I mean, I would also say I probably couldn't name more than half of the team or if that really. I mean, there are a few standouts, obviously. Um, but... You know, it feels to me that even though it's not quite not quite it, but there's enough sort of uh, f- strong female characters to balance the stronger male characters.
0: I would say also that, um, you know, this is a space that can be viewed as a male space because, I mean, literally that locker room, but sports in general, men's sports at this team, professional high level, and... I think, you know, for a show that is about um, masculinity and uh, different views of masculinity and non-toxic masculinity and learning to be, uh, you know, a a different kind of person, I think, you know, it's so easy for sports to pretend that the locker room and everything is just a male space. And the truth is that that's a a fantasy because uh, everybody has every one of those men has women in their lives, right? And they're invisible to us on the outside a lot of the time. And I think it's interesting that that Ted Lasso, given what it's going to do, of course the women are a part of their lives and we need to see them, and we do. Um, I don't know, I mean, I just, I think it's one of the interesting things about this show that that it goes against your expectations a lot. And like the women in Ted Lasso, are important, and if you told me it was a show about a soccer team, I wouldn't necessarily think that that would happen. But it does here because it's not really a show about a soccer team, not really. So let's see what what do we have? Oh, the office setup scene it happens in here where they put the desk together. Um, they put they decorate the office. You got uh, Ted puts up the good luck daddy uh, drawing from his kid. Um, there's pictures, Miracle on Ice, Muhammad Ali, Jim Valvano, the John Wooden Pyramid of Success. They're getting ready for being to be inspirational coaches. They call in Roy Kent and give him a very nice compliment. He immediately <laughs> insults Ted Lasso. And it's rough. It's rough. He, you know, he calls him Ronald Effing McDonald. Um, and in a very telling moment, the back and forth between Coach Beard and Ted Lasso is just, you're going to let him call you that? Well, he thinks he's mad now. Wait till we win him over. Oh, he'll be furious. It's like the relentless positivity. Uh, and they're not wrong, right? Like, they're not wrong. They do win him over. And he is furious about it. It's amazing.
1: I mean, I love a good montage. A show always has me if they have a montage. It's like, thank yeah. you. That's it. I, I do. Now, just synchronize your watches and you're and you're done. You're in. <laughs> you're in my star chart. They're building their, I think uh, that's the- they're building their <laughs> lair. They're building their inspirational fortress in there. That's a
3: point uh, when I'm when when I'm watching the pilot episode uh, and my wife drifts by and she asks if they've gotten to that montage scene, Uh, that moment of the desks being uh, turned around so that uh, they can face each other. That just really appeals to her. Just the the um, why would these two men have their backs to each other when they can have face to face conversations with each other? It's just really nice.
1: I think this montage, too, could have very easily brought this show into the realm of sports show, right? Like, it could have so easily been just a sports show. Like, oh, yes, there's a crappy team and we're going to get better and then we're going to be all happy and they're going to have some, you know, struggles and then they're going to triumph. And, like, we've all seen that. There's, like, a thousand movies about it. There's even one with a dog. Like, what? Air Bud? Like, there's, like, a thousand. (laughs) There's so many. But... This show doesn't go there. It uses some of those elements, I think, and that helps hook a lot of its audience. But it isn't a show like that, as you mentioned. It's not just a show about soccer. It's not just a show that has some, you know, fun little montages in it. It's, it's so, so much more. But they do give us that little bit of that... Um, I, I hate using the word trope because everyone uses the word trope now when they talk about mm. TV shows or movies. But it's almost like they baited us with these these sports tropes to like string us along mm-hmm. a little bit, but they didn't. Uh, they were like, oh no no, it's really not that. It's not that. But you're still gonna like it anyway.
3: Yeah, it's there's enough there for authenticity, but it's a workplace sitcom. It's not quite. It's not quite as serious as a dramedy or whatever. But it's mm. a workplace sitcom that's character driven.
1: I mean, I mean, oh, it's that's like a great way to think of. it. I love thinking of it like that. Fantastic.
2: I mean, I watch things like Sports Night and I have no interest in sport, um, but it wasn't for the sport. And it kind of the same with this, you know, it's like, that's what brings you in. Like, maybe you have an interest in, in one or other of, of the ends of the, the, the planet. Um, but it's, you know, the, I think some of the best stuff in this occurs towards the end of, of the series and there's, the. You know, as we were talking about toxic masculinity and there's like when Ted has a panic attack and all those kind of moments are the things that stick with me from the show.
0: I'm going to be the dissenting voice here and say uh, sports movies, uh, they are drama. And the reason is not it's not because of the sports, right? It's because the shape of a sports story is a fundamental dramatic structure. I think the sports story is just an echo of other kinds of stories and it provides that kind of structure. It just makes it maybe a little tidier because it's putting it in a sports context and, and it has uh, things that people will recognize from that recognizable sport. You get a winner, you get a loser. It's very dramatic. It's sort of a a, drama. Or a tie. A drama. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, for all four quarters, uh, we're going to, nothing is, is into touch. Uh, and, And so I would say, I think Ted Lasso is a sports movie or at least it plays the notes of a sports movie it knows that it's doing that but the difference is over 10 episodes they can make it's a, it's a bunch of other things too but if you look at the story arc of, of what's happening with richmond and with the coach coming in and the the players kind of uh, around him that's what a sports movie is a great sports movie is like that it is its it's not about you loving the sport. It's about the drama that ensues from the story of the season and that moment where they have to stick together. And of course, in episode 10, it kind of undercuts a lot of our expectations from that and yet still kind of triumphs in its own way. But I'm just saying, like, I, I know you could say it's, this is not just a sports story, but I'd say this is actually what those sports stories are like. I, it I think is, that th- it but is. For,
2: but for a sports story, it's got very little sports in it. Like any time there's going to be an actual football match, they just don't I, show I it.
0: I know. Well, and that that is a difference because I think a lot of sports movies they they will have all the exciting scenes on in this case on the pitch, but uh, and they don't have that many of them until the very end. But the at the very end, it really is kind of the rousing climax of this of the sports movie. Um, I'm just saying that one of the things that impresses me about it is that they took the structure and the pieces and the concepts of a sports movie and then used it when they needed it. Without it making without making people obviously feel like, oh, boy, I'm going to watch out 10 episodes about soccer because that's not what they're doing. But they used all the good parts, all the parts that make you like warm your heart and make you excited, make you root for those players and those coaches and the fans and everybody like Ted Lasso has all of that stuff in there. So it's like they used all the good stuff. Maybe this gets back to talking about toxic masculinity and not and all of that. But like they used all the good stuff about sports. I think sports
2: I, I think it 's because i 'm coming to it from somebody who actively dislikes sports
0: yeah i, so, I, I guess i 'm just saying that, as somebody who 's seen a lot of sports movies over the years and watched a lot of sports it 's not not in there, like they are playing that song, but I think they 're playing that song in a way that is welcoming to all sorts of people who don 't care about soccer and are not going to sit down and watch. A Premier League match, right? I, I think they're 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 mining it for the drama and the human drama that makes a good sports movie, right? Because a bad sports movie is just about the sports, I would think. Which is, or it's that movie where they play soccer in the uh in the Nazi uh prison camp and it's a tie. Uh, that was also a bad sports movie. Anyway uh nobody's seen that it's called victory it's a movie called victory where nobody wins it's a tie at the end
2: um, i have probably seen it because every single war film has been Stallone is in it it's, spoilers. <laughs> it's not good it's not good spoilers the nazis lose
0: um but they, not not but not the soccer match that's a draw because <laughs> of course it is um nate, nate has a small car um you know that simpsons bit where it's like this is the only car that i could afford a very large man in a very small car. Well, Nate's not a very large man, but he has a very small car. And as we're having like, a conversation between Higgins and Rebecca and Ted in the foreground, um, I, I delight in rewatches of noticing them doing lots of diagonal moving of objects in Nate's car in order to fit Coach Beard completely covered by luggage in the back seat of Nate's car so that they can drive away because uh, they didn't order a car for him because Rebecca, uh, I guess, is letting some of her her uh, meanness toward ted out here
2: and she has a very large car
0: i uh, the invisible steering wheel thing that always kills me because i i frequently am watching british tv shows and i see somebody go on the wrong side of the car and i'm like no wait are you dri- are you not driving oh right it's on the other side so ted lasso gets to have that little uh, look i'm honking the horn Woo-hoo! it's really neat he's yeah mm-hmm. simple pleasures this is where we get that moment, by the way, that where where she points out that she gives Higgins a promotion and then points out that uh, she doesn't really forgive him uh, for things because he was working for Rupert all that time and he would sneak the Rupert's women in and out, and so you know they have a their relationship is also uh, uh, frosty in that level. Like he he's not he was complicit in the past regime and is not to you know we we can't just say oh the oh Higgins he's just a funny bumbling uh, friendly guy. It's like no he also was work was an active participant in rupert's betrayal of rebecca
2: and is going to be an active participant in this betrayal as well so he's really a betraying kind of a guy yeah
0: yeah because he's weak and he's he's gonna take the the money
2: right it's really well everybody needs to have a journey in this show
0: yes yes and it is just the pilot so ted gets home he hasn't been to his home yet he has an apartment this is you coach says coach beard uh, obviously, it's you know a a rented uh, a rented flat with that's furnished and all that. There's even a little welcome sign there. Welcome, Coach Tim Lasso.
1: <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> it says Tim. Yeah,
0: I've always <laughs>
3: wanted to say welcome, Coach Tim Apple, but you
1: know,
0: you know yeah, yeah, he gets his name wrong. It's amid all the other, he's got a welcome thing, but it's welcome, Coach Tim Lasso. Um, and this is where we get that real heart strings moment. Uh, where he checks the time, he counts back, takes a shower and all that, and then counts back so that he can talk to his kid back in America. Um, and we get that. How was school today? Oh, I forgot. Maybe because maybe it's a weekend. I don't know. Um, uh, or he's got something to do. But anyway, he says, "Is your mom there?" And, and then we get that moment where she's like, "Well, you you and the little guy should come on over here." Oh, what did I say? No, that's what I'm doing. I'm giving you that space. And then, and then he says, hey, Michelle, I love you. No, you don't have to. And so at this moment, we know this is why this man has flown to England to take this job away from his child and far away from all of his area of expertise is his marriage has or has dissolved or is dissolving and this is that that extra moment of understanding a little bit th- for the guy who we've seen be relentlessly optimistic and 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 cheery this entire episode this is the moment where we realize the profound sadness that is going on inside Ted Lasso's life right now
3: profound sadness but also something that he's not at this point willing to let go of he's going to keep trying you know that that optimism <sighs> yeah. drives him to keep trying and um Anybody who's ever made that, uh, you know, sort of had that compulsive thing of saying something that they really want to say when the situation doesn't really call for it. You know, he he in it, he accidentally or on purpose says, you know, you really need to c- come see this, even though I'm sure that they had the conversations about uh, about space and time and all that stuff. She feels pressured. He backtracks immediately. Um, it's it's. It's heartfelt, and it's uh, you know, especially watching it in, in um, watching in retrospect. You know, it's really, really sad. This is a this is a guy who not only doesn't want to quit anything, but he doesn't want to give up on the on on the relationship one bit. And he even even four thousand odd miles away, he's still trying.
0: Yeah, it's I, I just the the way because we only get his side of the conversation and the the idea that he you know he, yeah he's doing things I don't know some of it I feel like is is even accidental where he thinks he's he's treading lightly but he's not and that that whole yeah that's what I'm doing I'm giving you that space not only do does that make it clear that that she's asked him to give her space and that's why he's he's come but also just the sadness of it that, that this is obviously that he's giving it a try and she's saying, no, you need to, I'm not going to say, I love you. I'm not, I, you, you need to let me, uh, let me go here. It's just so sad. Cause you know, it's, it's, it's not a thing that he wants, but th- this is the thing that is happening to him and, and in his life right now.
3: Right. And I think that this is a part of his journey. Uh, this, this is the starting point for his journey. Uh, when you, get all i i i kind of draw a line between this and when beard blows up at him over whether or not to bench roy kent um ted's got this sense of what he needs to do to be a good guy um and to be positive and to be encouraging and just these these principles that he wants to follow and every once in a while he has to be reminded that um you know he's not giving up he's letting go he's got it's not about him it's about the team the entire team you know um i think that uh this is the starting point for his journey there
1: it also does a clever thing for a pilot in that it, it kind of piques our like voyeur interest like interest because i mean we have this guy who's been relentlessly positive he seems like he came off of like this amazing win we see from the news reel that we saw in Dancing the beginning in the locker room yeah <laughs> like it seems like he's such a positive guy. He's ready to like take over. He doesn't know about Rebecca's evil plot yet. Like we're all rooting for him already like right away. We love how he treats Nate. um, All these positive things. And then we find out his marriage isn't going so well. And I think A lot of us are watching and being like, what is happening there? Like, why isn't his marriage Mm. going well? Like, whose fault is it? What happened? Like, I think that there's a lot of curiosity peaked in that relationship. And it's not just like, oh, wow, Ted, the super positive guy also has problems. But like why does he have problems? What's happening? Like, I think that that really spurs on a, um, what what are they going to bring up about mm-hmm. this? Is there so much more of a subplot? You know, like, how is this happening? And it ends up becoming something that um, that Ted and Rebecca end up revealing to each other and sharing. And I think that that's kind of the main reason for it in the long run. But it also is a, a curiosity booster to help you keep going to the next episode. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I, I mean, I think he, Ted needs to learn the lesson that not everything can be solved with a rousing dance in the locker room.
1: Mm.
0: I think also that, especially talking about this as a pilot episode, and and it, even though they shot it with the other ones, you know, it's still your first foot forward. If somebody watches this episode and doesn't want to continue, then it's failed at its job to get people to watch the rest of the show. I think you got to show some range in Ted Lasso, right? Like, if he's just... Like, is this guy Mr. Rogers? Is this guy relentlessly optimistic? And that's going to be the whole thing is that he's never like, that's a, a much less realistic character to say, well, no, this guy's just always sunny. Like, because there are always hard things, there are bad things that happen to people. What happens to Ted Lasso when something bad happens to him? And so in this last scene, you see, oh, something bad did and is happening to him. And this explains why he's got a kid back in America, but he chose to come to England. It explains all that. Having Ted Lasso in this episode show that range. I mean, it, it's that moment where in a different, a very different show, this would be the moment where where the show would show that, uh, oh, well, but, you know, Ted Lasso is really not just who you think he is. He's got anger, or he's got something. And the answer is no, he, he's got sadness is what he has. Um But you have to show something in this moment. This is the moment where he's not out in public. He's not with his friends. He's not, he's alone. And the mask drops. And what we see behind the mask is that he is a sad man who is separated from his child and from his wife, not really of his own volition. Um, and for all of his positivity and everything else, he's got this kind of uh, in the background, you know, it it makes his positivity up to now seem that much more impressive given what he's dealing with. And it's just I think it's so important to the success of the show to give us this moment at the end of the pilot to realize that there's more going on behind that, you know, visor, that plastic visor that Ted Lasso is wearing.
1: I also love, too, that they chose for it to be a marriage problem, where I think a lot of shows now when they're airing They seem to try and hook an audience based on like shock value of things. And I just I enjoy that this show in the pilot didn't really do that. They didn't uh, they didn't I don't want to say debase, but that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like they didn't just go for that like shock value thing. They kind of kept it. Again, I don't want to say light, but they kept it in a realm that is understandable to a lot of people. And they kept it in a way that like, you know it's going to be a comedy, but there's going to be dramatic elements here. And it's all pretty universal. but the the overall positivity, i'm I guess I'm just astounded by how this show was so magically able to maintain like this like positive, really heartwarming edge without becoming like sappy and gross. Mm they right. They found a way to do it with and peak interest of people who are used to watching stuff that like brings you to either a shock value of language or jokes or drug use or something like that. But they didn't go there with this show. But yet it's still so wonderful and interesting and so much that, like, all of us are getting together, and people are clamoring to talk about this show on the incomparable, like, like fighting for space mm-hmm. to talk about this great show. And I think that that's kind of amazing and magical. Yeah, just like Ted. (laughs) Yeah,
3: and and I I love that the positivity of this show isn't about just attitude, but it's about action. It's about Mm. behavior and how people treat each other. Um, It's not about the power of positive thinking, but it's about the things that Ted and other characters in this show do. To promote like mutual accountability, the conversations that uh, Keely and Rebecca have about accountability, uh, and Keely and um, Jamie later on, um, it's not about just it's not just about believing, but it's about doing, and I think that, that makes it less treacly and more engaging, and honestly, more inspiring.
1: I love the way you put things, Chip. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Aw, thanks, Tiff.
1: Yeah, this is... Um, even
0: when we learn about the relationship later, it's not a TV show dramatic thing about Ted and his his wife and the breakup of their marriage. It's really not... She's not happy. Like, I mean, that's it, right? There's no drama in a TV heightened kind of way. It's just a reality. It's just a real thing that happens. It's like, it's not working, and she's unhappy, and that's it. Like... I find that also refreshing that it's not, uh, a, you know, a soap opera kind of thing. It's just a, yeah, a thing that happens to people. It's just
2: they didn't throw in like the other woman from his side or something like that. And and it kind of the show seemed like it was going to go there in terms of like when Ted and Keeley were interacting and there was the paparazzi thing. And I thought that there was you know they were get, just going to take that direction with things, uh, and they avoided all of that.
3: No, I mean, they actually, uh, they leave it to you to infer what happened uh, in their relationship. You could infer that maybe his just relentless positivity is just something that just drained her or something like that. But all you need to know is it's not working. And they're they're kind about it in, in, in portraying it.
0: All right. We've reached the end of the Ted Lasso pilot. Any final thoughts before we wrap this episode up?
2: Other than that, I'm going to have to now rewatch the entire season, but uh, that's not exactly no. a, a terrible not thing terrible. To, to do.
0: It's Bismarcky over the end credits, by the way. It's just paying off that joke about uh, when a grown man beatboxes in front of you. Never run into Biz Markie. Well, he's, he's beatboxing at the end of this episode. Uh, next episode, Biscuits. That's right. You know what happens in that one uh, because you've watched the whole show before, right? Like we told you to yeah
1: okay i'm already salivating thanks uh, for that's right. saying, that's saying good. that word
0: with the boss uh that'll be next time with another uh panel of people to walk you through that one uh but let me thank this inaugural pilot panel for this pilot episode of
3: this new podcast series chip Sutterth, thank you for being here if you're comfortable when you're doing a podcast you're probably doing it wrong
1: <laughs> tiff arment thank you uh, thank you. And I also want to thank Ted Lasso for making mustaches sexy again.
0: And James Thompson. <laughs> thank you. Uh, can I get an Aussie? Thanks everybody for listening. And uh, we'll be back with more Ted Lasso next week.